Hello and welcome to this week's message from Valley Church. Catch up on recent messages and find out what's happening in the life of church by heading to valleychurch.eu or follow us on social media. Enjoy the message. Morning everybody, Lancaster, North Preston. Yes, do take a seat. Wherever you are, do take a seat. It's great to be here. I hope Lancaster you've been enjoying Pastor Dave on his guitar this morning. And uh, hope that's hope he's not made too mistakes. He's a bit rusty, is Pastor Dave, isn't he? A bit rusty, really. It's not bad, though. He's quite good on his uh, white guitar. It's, it's quite good. It is good to be here. We've, uh, we drove back yesterday from Cornwall. We were at a church planters conference for a couple of days down there. And really encouraging. Met a few of the superintendents from the East Coast of America were over as well. And they were sharing how the churches are growing over there. One particular superintendent was talking about, he oversees 100 churches. In my head, I'm going like, you're a busy man. You're a very busy man. And he was saying, over the last 10 years, they've grown 6% on average every year. So if you work that out... Not quite double, but they've almost doubled the last 10 years. And God's doing something in that particular part of the Rheumatist Church anyway. So it's just exciting to talk about that. Know that God is moving around the world. And as we come to our Vision Sunday, we need to realize God is in the business of moving and changing, of people finding him, of their lives being transformed by his, his healing touch. And we're part of a, a movement, not just in the Rheumatist Church, but of all the churches that Jesus loves and who serve him and him alone. And it's, uh, it's good. If it is your first time, a very, very warm welcome. Welcome to our Vision Sunday. It's, um, it's actually more normal. For, for the regulars, the guys that have been doing Vision Sundays for a long time, we're going to do less announcements, because often Vision Sunday is about announcements. But, but actually, it can be a bit different. It's going to be more about heart, about what we feel God is calling us to do and become in this season ahead, however long the season lasts. But we'll begin as we always do. On Vision Sunday with Psalm 78. It's now 17 years ago that Michelle and I were in Colorado uh, in the Rockies and it was it was a tough mission trip and um, we were high up about a mile and a high half high by a lake and I was doing my quiet times we were wondering what to do with our changing circumstances and I was reading Psalm 78. I want to read the first seven verses this is our heart's calling, and God called me and Michelle, and then the team, and all of you who call Valley home to build a church like this. It says, my people, hear my teaching, listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with parables, I will utter hidden things, things from of old, things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob, established a law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children so that the next generation would know them. Even the children yet to be born, and at least one in the house this morning who's yet to be born, but he's on the way. And they in turn will tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God would not forget his deeds, would keep his commands. And this is our calling, church, that we would be a generational church, that we would have in our hearts always to be looking after us, for those who don't yet know Jesus, for the next generation coming up. And we would get excited and counted it a privilege 
to help others encounter God for the first time. And a privilege to help each one of us to be empowered. Talk about empowering a new generation. Helping each other to become all that God has created us to be. And helping all of us to do that which God has, as it were, preordained for us to do. And we would create environments where God can do that in us and through us. This psalm talks about people and their confidence in God. It always begins with people finding Jesus. It's not about us. It's about us helping people connect with Jesus. Please don't ever think your pastors or leaders or any person that you put on a pedestal can really help you. Only Jesus can help you. Jesus is the one that can help you through his spirit that now rules and breathes across the earth. It means we're our confidence in God. And then we teach people's commands that they may keep them. And then enter into all the blessing that God has for them as individuals, for their families, and for the communities that they're part of. This is our call to empower a new generation and to make a home to do that. All of us to make a home to empower a new generation. And that carries on. Carries on. It has done through all the seasons, through all the years. But on this Sunday, we ask the question, is there a particular thing that God is calling us to do or change, or become for this next year or two in our church's life. Well, before I do that and read from Acts chapter 4, I'm just going to pray. Father, I thank you that you are here. Thank you that your spirit rules and reigns in all our houses, in Lancaster, in North Preston, and here, in every single home that's watching or listening to this. And Father, I pray in this moment that you may have sovereignty and authority in our hearts. May all of us who know you and love you just say, God, I am yours. You have freedom. Speak to me. Instruct me. Change me. Heal me. Restore me. Whatever you need to do, Father, I'm listening. I'm open for that. And Father, I pray you'd do that. And Father, for any who can hear my voice, Father, I ask that you would open their heart and their mind, if they don't know you, that you may reveal their need for you, for the work of what Jesus has done on the cross. And Father, even today, they may say yes to making you their Lord and Savior so that you may become their friend too. In Jesus' name. Amen. Acts chapter 43. Very beginning of the church. They've had Pentecost on, did I say Acts chapter, Acts chapter 4? Acts chapter 4 um, is very early on in the New Testament to church. Acts chapter 2 is come and gone. So they've had Pentecost Sunday. The spirits, as it were, uh, come. And the promise that, that, God, uh, that Jesus mentioned to them in Matthew 28 and Acts chapter 1 verse 8 has happened. You know, the spirit has come. They've been empowered to do that which God has called them to do. And in Acts chapter 3, we read that, that, that Peter and John were, were going to the temple courts. They met a, a crippled man along the way. And, and they, if you've been to Sunday school, you know, silver and gold, have I none? And, but what I have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ. Get up and walk. And they'd reach down and pull him up by the right hand. It looks very specific. It's specific. It's right hand. He grabbed the right hand and pulled him up. And as, as he was pulling up, a miracle happened. The Bible says that his ankles were strengthened and something physically noticeably happened with his muscles and tendons, whatever was wrong with him. And suddenly, he wasn't just walking and hobbling, which he would be if you'd been crippled, right? He was leaping and jumping and praising God. The miracle was utterly complete. He was utterly healed and went in. Obviously, this man had been there since birth, near birth. He'd been begging and people recognized him and said, are you not? And he said, yes, I am. And 
This person called Jesus has done this. And these two people over here, they were the one who, who did it. I, I guess expressed it in simple language. You go and talk to them. I'm not quite sure what happened, but they did something. And, and it says a crowd gathered, a huge crowd gathered, many thousands and thousands in the temple courts. And Peter stood up and gave another message on the gospel. And it says that thousands of people responded. But the temple authorities were cross. There was a disturbance. And it, it was about Jesus. And Jesus was supposed to be dead, remember? They kind of put him to death and they were hoping he'd stay dead. And so they were cross about Jesus. So they dragged Peter and John before the the authorities, before the Jewish authorities, and quizzed them. They quizzed the crippled man and, and didn't know what to do. Because obviously they knew the crippled man, right? So they knew a miracle had happened. It's not like they could deny it. It was there before them. Um, but, uh, but they didn't like people talking about Jesus. And so in the end, they threatened uh, Peter and John and said, stop it. If you do it again, there'll be trouble. And as I've been sharing this last week or two to various groups, it was a real threat. In those days, people did get snubbed out. You know, Roman authorities had no problem if people just disappeared. There wasn't the forensic team. They weren't going to go be a great investigation. They were, they could get, the families could get threatened. They could get taken out. This, this was not unusual. And, and, and again, I've said before, you know, we, we sometimes put the apostles on these big, like big high chairs, right? Super apostles, super Christians, super people. They weren't. They were just ordinary people like you and me, you know, it, you know, just a, a Clara, you know, a Malcolm. It was just, just a Malcolm. Sorry, Malcolm, I hope you don't mind picking you. But anyway, you know, or whoever, you know, like a Dave or somebody in your congregation. It was just, an, these were ordinary people and they were a bit scared. The power of God was in them. They were, they were still scared. And they came back to, the, um, to their fellow Christians, to their own, it says in Acts chapter 4. And this is what happened, Acts chapter 4, verse 23. On their release... So they've been threatened and then released. Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they, all of them, raised their voices together and prayed to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sky and everything in them. You made everything. You, you're, the, you're the creator God. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do nations rage? People's plot in vain, and the kings of the earth rise up, and the rulers band together against the Lord, against the Lord. You are the one who have authority over all authorities, over everything and everybody. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city, this very city of Jerusalem, to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. And it says, Now, Lord, consider their threats. And enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness and stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled, brackets, again with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Presumably, that's a reflection. They went out and spoke the word, the word of God boldly rather than did it where they were meeting. And I'm... Um, God's Spirit had already come. And if, if you're a Christian this morning or whenever you listen to this, you need to know that if you're a Christian, God's Spirit already rules and rests in your place, right? It's not like he's missing in your life. You need it for salvation. The only way you can have a relationship with God is if the Spirit comes and cleans you up from the inside out 
and enables you to have that relationship with him, right? So if you're a Christian, you don't need to worry. God's with you. I sometimes meet Christians and say, I don't feel like God's with me. They're just wrong, right? If you're a Christian, it doesn't matter how you feel, it doesn't matter what's going on in your life, God is with you by default, right? He's just with you. And uh, I say, yeah, well, you might feel like that, and we should encourage each other, you might feel like that, but you need to know God is with you. Jesus promised it, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. God is with you. But we read in this passage that the Holy Spirit came down again. In Ephesians 5, verse 15, Paul writes these words. It says this, be very, so, uh, Ephesians 5, verse 15, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Then it says this, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. I.e., don't get under the influence of alcohol. You'll do stupid stuff. Right? And I am teetotal, so I've actually no idea what Paul is on about. For those of you who have tasted alcohol and maybe had a little bit too much, you know what I mean, right? And, and some of you will have done stupid stuff. Right? And you, yeah, yeah, I get that. Or you'll have seen your friends do stupid stuff, right? Because that's what happens when you become under the, the influence. And Paul says, that's what happens. He says, rather, he said, instead, be filled with the Spirit. He says, become under the influence of the Holy Spirit in your life. Let him so be part of you, so full in you that you do daft stuff for God. Right? Not daft stuff, full stop. But you, if you're going to do something foolish, not that you would under the influence of Jesus. Or something unwise, not that you would under the influence of Jesus. But do it under the influence of the Holy Spirit. So be filled, be continually filled. Be topped up, as it were, with God's Spirit in your life, as you could be, be topped up with wine or alcohol. And, and this is what's happening in Acts chapter 4, right? In Acts chapter 4, this is what's happening. They, they've come and they said, they said, God, we're a bit scared. The authorities, it's a real threat. We're scared. We need boldness and courage to do what you have called us to do. Please, will you give it us? And God says yes all the time. If you pray that prayer, God always says yes, right? It's not like you need to worry about whether you'll go, hmm, don't know, maybe. But in this particular instance, he not just says yes, he turns up in power. Because we need God's help. All of us need God's help, right? It's why we need God. It's why we need to keep praying these kind of prayers. God, please give me whatever it is. Give me boldness. Give me whatever I need. It's why for this next season... We're going to talk about letting the Spirit fall on us as a church, on our ministries, on our families, on our workplaces, on us together, on us individually. We're going to talk about let the Spirit fall. Why? Because we need God's Spirit so that we're under His influence all our days. Because we need Him. We need His presence. We need His power. We need His instruction. We need His wisdom. We need Him in our lives. And we're going to pray. And in this season, ask, seek, expect, know that it's what God wants to do in our lives in this next year, at least.
I want you to notice, though, that there's three things that go on in this prayer. And I think Luke has put them in on purpose. I've numbered them for your notes, one, two, and three. It's important that you note that as the notes go on. The first thing you need to notice is they pray knowing that God is sovereign. They pray knowing that God is sovereign. And they remind themselves as they begin to pray. God, you made everything. God, you have all authorities and rulers under your feet. God, you have our rulers and authorities under your feet. You are sovereign. You are in charge. And they grounded their faith in who God was before they prayed. Often we need to do that. We need to do that this year. God, this is who you are. This is who we know you to. This is the truth. Therefore, we pray this prayer in faith, knowing that this is what you'll want to do. The second thing is this. They prayed, and the prayer was based about taking Jesus' kingdom forward. It wasn't about them. They said, give us boldness. Help us to speak out. And Luke records in verse 31 that after they'd prayed, they had the boldness to speak out. They were on about fulfilling Matthew 28, verse 19 to 20, you know, when Jesus said, go and make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Spirit, and Lord be with you always, the Acts 1, 8, you know, you will have power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the, the, the earth. They, were, they prayed, God, help us do the mission. Help us do what you've called us to do. And yes, when we do that, lots of other things come after it, right? We meet with God. We have great times with him. Our families get healed and say, there's a, there's a great blessing. But their primary concern, right, was God, help us do what you've asked us to do. This is what we, we want to please you. This is our chief concern. And then the third thing they did, you read there in verse 30, they, they say, God, come and do miracles. Do some unusual stuff. John chapter 16. Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will not only, as it were, do miracles and signs and wonders, but he's the one that will convict others of their sin. John 16 verse 7 says this. Truly I tell you, says Jesus, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, I'm going to the Father, where you can see me no more. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. And we need God to do the impossible, not just the miraculous, but also the impossible of convicting people that they need Jesus. I actually, the reason why I read this verse out and remind myself of it often, it's not my job to convict somebody else in need Jesus. It's just my job to present them with the gospel. Then God does a rest. That's up to him. And, uh, but we need God's power to do that impossible as well. And God will do it in his own way. I don't know whether you've ever noticed in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes with a wind and with flame, right? In Acts chapter 4, God doesn't do the same thing. He decides this time it's a, a shaking of the room time. And the thing is, church, when we pray and ask God to do the impossible, remember, he'll do it in his own way. I know you might have a set list of how God has to do things. Unlucky. God will do it in his way 
as he wants to do it, which is best for whoever you're praying for as well as for yourself. But we do need God's power to do the impossible. And this is what the disciples prayed for. God, we recognize the sovereign. It's all about you and your mission. And Father, would you please, please do the impossible in and through us because we need you to do it. And we need to pray in the same way as we pray either on our own or corporately. And praying this prayer, let the Spirit fall, will mean a few changes. I've numbered the changes, I, 2I, and treble I. I told you, just to keep you interested, you see. And um, we need some changes personally, okay? If God's going to do something new or different, you'll have to change. There's a saying, isn't it? If you keep on doing the same thing, you'll always get the same results. It's the same in our Christian lives. All of us who love Jesus, I'm saying they'll need some personal change in our life. Luke 14, Jesus says, the wise people count the cost before they set off and follow Jesus. They count the cost. And this morning, when we come to the end, I'm going to ask you to just count the cost and decide whether you're happy for Jesus to do some business in your life. My prayer and hope is, that every single person that loves Jesus, and perhaps even those that don't yet, would say, yes, I'm willing to do it. I understand that it might cost me something, but the blessings and the results will be more than worth doing it. And having been a Christian for so long, I want to say it is. It's any cost that you might pay is more than paid back in our lives, in our family lives, and for an eternity. John 12, 24 talks about dying self. A seed needs to die. And for some of you, either today or in the coming season, there will have to be some deaths of things in your life. When I went to Bible college many years ago, I kind of put a, a condition. I said, God will go anywhere as long as it's not too hot. Now, I know some of you go like, really? I do it the other way around. I go, God will go anywhere as, as long as it's not too cold. But you see, I like cold, you see, so. It's not too hot. And uh, I seem to find myself most of the time going to hot places. It's a bit ironic, really, isn't it? I had to die to the cold thing. I know it's a silly example, but you'll have other things that you need to do in your life. I also had to die to be a businessman. I did not do that anymore. That was my plan, my hope, my dream. And, uh, but God has blessed us financially more than adequately. And then, but, some but we need to die. And some of the change in this year will be you'll have to die to some of the things that you think are precious and important. But actually God says, yeah, but I have something more precious, more important for you to go and do and be involved with and trust. If we trust God, God will take that away, put something else in you, go like, I don't know why it's that worried about that thing. This is far more better. But it will take some dying. But also make some change within our services and our ministries. We will create a little bit more space for people to encounter God, both in our services and our other ministries. We'll put some prayer and fasting days in, where as a church and congregations we gather to pray and say, God, come, let your spirit fall in our churches, in our ministries, in our lives, in our families. It'll change from time to time. It'll mean some changes in our small groups. And um, because we want to intentionally create a little bit more space for God to speak and do. And also, we want to give God some more space for, so we can study the scriptures and become more in line with what God wants us to do, and also how God wants us to live as Christians. The details are being, well, they're almost sorted, but you're 
present Connect Group leaders, if you're not part of Connect Group leader, you can be part of Connect leader for the next month or two. We'll explain the changes as we go along, but we're going to change them slightly. Paul writes in Philippians 3 verse 10, says this, My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection. And for the next few months, that's going to be our goal, church. That each one of us would say, I desire, my goal is to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection. Personally, within the groups I work with, within the ministries, within the services, I want God to show up and do what only he can do. I just want to encourage you. Some of you might have a past. And you might go, does that exclude me from anything? Definitely met a lot of people say, yeah, but, you know, pastor, I've done this, this, and this. Or, you know, this has happened. And I just want to let you know that Paul goes on to write in verse 13. He says, forget what is behind and press on into the future. Whatever is the behind, God, it's not he doesn't care, but it's not a hindrance. It's not going to restrict your future. Give it to God. God, I want to press into all that you have, whatever the future. And, and you might have no past in God at all. I want to let you know that just press on into God and God will reveal himself to you. Don't worry about that which you did or haven't done. Just press on into all that God has for you to know him and the power of his resurrection. So this is our prayer. Let the spirit fall. God, come and empower us. Make us bold to do what you have called us to do. Both individually and together. And yes, some of you are going to get emotional. Perhaps some of you who have never been emotional, God will do some things and you will cry maybe for the first time in church, for sure. Some of you will have revelations and pictures, for sure. That's normal in church life. Some of you already have them, but others of you will have them. Some of you will pray for healing, be brave enough at work, college, school, in the gym, and to your utter amazement, God will heal them. And you'll come back to your small group and say, you know, I, I know you've been, we've been talking about it. I actually got the opportunity to pray and this happened and it was amazing. See, God doesn't expect us to have a lot of faith. Just enough faith to do something. That's enough. That's, that's all you need. He doesn't need a big chunk. You don't need to go like, you know, I'm just willing. God, I'm willing for you to do this. Some of you will see all sorts of things. And I pray that you do. I hope that you do. It's great stories. But there's four things that, as a church, I want us to be praying for, for us as a church and for us as individually. I've labeled these A through D. <laughs> Just keeping you interested, right? First one is this. One of the things I'm believing for in this season is that we'll be full more in love and more in awe, more in fear of God. Both and. Remember, God is the king of the universe. He's almighty. He's a scary God, yet he loves us. And my prayer is for all of you that both your love for Jesus and for the king of kings, for God himself, will grow, but also your understanding of his sovereignty and his might and his power. That fear that he is the king of the universe will also grow in your heart and soul. Because that's God's gift to us, that we may understand both. You see, love is never truly understood until we, we truly understand the power and awesomeness of who God is and the fearfulness it is to fall in the hands of the living God if we're not saved. The second thing, B, is that 
you know that people will, as it were, show more fruit in our lives. Fruit character-wise, Galatians 5, 24 says, the fruits are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, that we would grow in those. And we'd also grow in our fruit of right living in holiness. Matthew 5, 48 says, be holy as your heavenly Father is holy, Jesus says. And we would, it's why I want to make a bit more room for Bible study, so that we may know how we should be holy, that we may understand and then apply it. You see, reading alone, understanding the Bible alone is not enough. It only makes any difference when we apply it, where we actually follow what it is that God has called and asked us to do, and we integrate it. Only in that place is the blessing. Only in that place is the peace and joy. Only in that place can we serve God to our full potential. Third thing, C. We're seeking for a greater passion for the cause of Christ. You know, Jesus came, he lived his life, he died a death, was resurrected. Why? To save mankind. Peter, the rock, the leader of the early church, writes this, that God longs that none would be lost, but he tarries only so that many more can come to repentance. 2 Peter 3 verse 9. That we will get that passion for people. And I pray for some of you that this year will be a year where your heart breaks for the lost like never before. And you realize the love that God has for those in your world who are going to a hell. They are in a lost eternity. And for some of us who live in such comfortable, amazing lives, and I count myself one of those people, that's, that we may realize that as comfortable as this life is, actually there is an eternity to come. And there's a whole stack of people will not be there. And we need to be boldly proclaiming and God would convict us more and more of this in this present, in this coming season. And finally, D. It says in Ephesians 6, verse 13, it says, take up the full armor of God so that you may resist the evil day and having prepared everything, be able to stand. My prayer is that we will, as a people, as individuals, learn to stand on the rock of Jesus especially in the days that are tough because all of us face tough days sickness death hardship comes to all who live on this planet but we are called to put on the full armor of God and when all is finished we would still be standing on the rock faithful to him knowing that he is the one that will see us through and as we pray we'll be praying for these that God would move and help us to become these type of people. This year, let the Spirit fall will be mentioned again and again because we need God. We need His presence and His power, His instruction, His wisdom. We need to be filled by the Spirit under His influence every day of our lives, in every situation. So if we're going to do anything stupid, we do it on the side of God not on the side of our humanity or anything else, that we may live for Him. In this moment, I'm going to ask you to count the cost, but there'll be moments throughout the year where we remind you, have you counted the cost? Are you still dying to self when God calls you to do it? Are you helping to build and put His kingdom first in your life? Acts 1.8 talks about that... We'll be God's witnesses and the power comes when we're witnesses in Jerusalem, 
Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And there'll be times where you get challenged. Are you being a witness in your Jerusalem, in your family, in the communities that you are part of? How about Judea, the areas that you interact with? Is God calling you to go and make a difference in Samaria or even to the very ends of the earth? God, I believe, wants to do something significant in us. Just as importantly, in you, in here, in Preston, North Preston, Lancaster, if you're at home online, God wants to do something significant in you. And that happens when the Spirit of God is allowed to fall in your life. It's why we put, you know, we're going to let the Spirit fall. Why? Because God says, the Word says, that we can restrict Him. We can say no. But as a people, let's say yes. Let's say yes. Let's realize there'll be consequences, but let's say yes. And say, God, come and do whatever you want to do in us individually, in our congregations, in us all together, corporately. I'm going to sing a song in a second. It's called The Dove. It's really about allowing the Spirit to come and rest on us and in us. And as we sing that song, we hand back to the different locations as we sing the song. I'm going to ask each one of you, count the cost again. If you've been a Christian for a few months, relatively easy, right? Been a Christian for 10 years or 20 years. Is your heart still passionate for Jesus and his church? Are you still passionate for the lost? Or has your first love grown a little bit cooler than what it was? Are you willing again, however long you've been a Christian, to say, God, I put everything down. I will let all the seeds die in my life that they may come back to life and produce great fruit for you. God, I want your spirit to fall in my life that I may boldly proclaim your word. And as we do that, there'll be fresh expressions, there'll be fresh blessings in our life. Let's just close our eyes in all the congregations. I want to pray. And then if each band, when I finish praying, could then begin to play. Father, oh Father, you promised us power, authority, wisdom, counsel. You promised us the words to say promise that we would do miracles. In fact, your word says that we would do more than you did, Jesus. God, I pray, help each one of us to open our lives, our hearts, our souls, our minds, all of us to you in this coming season, even today. That we may say, God, I die to self, that you may rule and reign, that others may come and find you, that I may see amazing things, touches of heaven flowing through my life into other people's lives. Father, I pray as you do this, come and do what only you can do. Father, I pray for stories of miracles and healings. I pray for salvation in church, out of church, in workplaces, in gyms, on street corners, in shopping centers. We'll get a chance to, as it were, welcome people into the kingdom wherever we go. God, we pray, let your spirit fall. Give us boldness. Do miracles. Do amazing things. In Jesus' name I pray. Thanks for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this message. If you've been impacted by it and would like to respond by choosing to follow Jesus, we'd love to help you to do that. One of our pastors would love to be in touch with you. Why not email response at valleychurch.eu or head to valleychurch.eu forward slash next steps to discover more. 
We're so excited for your future. Be blessed.